Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I want to begin. It's spring, finally it's May. Does anybody know what, what this thing is? Anybody? Okay, it's a thermometer. You just stick it under your tongue. No, okay. So this is something, you guys, that um, Jesus might have used if these had existed in his day. And he probably would have used it the way that I'm using it this morning and not the way that it's actually meant to be used, right? He would have used this as a way of illustrating an important kingdom concept. And this concept that we're going to be talking about today is actually, in my mind, it is one of the most important, crucial things that we will learn in scripture. It's one of the most important parables that Jesus ever taught, maybe uh, number one. But Jesus didn't have this thing, this soil tester, right? And so he did something different. But this thing tests the nature and the quality uh, of soil. So it's great for gardening and things like that. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus compared our hearts to soil, where seed is planted and where seed sometimes grows. And the key phrase or the key word there for me today is sometimes. Sometimes seed grows. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to test the soil of our hearts. And we're going to ask the spirit to test the soil of our hearts and the quality of our soil. And of course the Holy Spirit won't be measuring for moisture or for pH or alkalinity or any of those things. The spirit's going to be looking for openness. The spirits can be looking for hunger and obedience in our hearts. And King David, King David was uh, described as a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 139, he wrote this. He said, search me, God. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And I pray that we would do that type of work this morning. And so this morning, God is looking for a few more Davids, a few more who would be after the heart of God, a few more who would say, call me, God, to do absolutely anything. I am with you, heart and soul. Let me know if there is anything in my heart that grieves you. Let me know if there's anything in my heart that displeases you. Let me know if there's any block in my life that would hinder you from saving. That's what Jesus is looking for this, this morning. And here's why this is so important, you guys. God, as you know, or at least I hope you know this, God is infinitely powerful. He is the creator of all things, the creator of the universe. He can do absolutely anything. He is also perfectly good in everything that he does. Everything that he does and everything that he thinks is absolutely good and pure. And he wants only the very best for any one of us. God is infinitely wise. He's infinitely wise. He knows everything, and he knows how to accomplish all of his purposes in the world. And yet, church, in spite of all that, in spite of his power, in spite of his goodness, in spite of his wisdom, I want you to know that his purposes get stopped all the time. God's purposes get stopped all the time. What does that sound? (laughs) Do you guys hear that? (laughs) Okay, okay. I didn't know if I was hearing things. Anyway, uh, 
Do you guys know the movie The Blind Side? Anybody know the movie The Blind Side? So I hope we have a graphic. There we go. So that is Sandra Bullock. That is the back of Sandra Bullock. And The Blind Side tells the story of this guy named Michael Orr, right? And Michael Orr was this, uh, he was this very, very poor kind of orphaned black kid. And he gets adopted into this rich white field, uh, white you know, person's family, this woman's family, I think somewhere down near Atlanta. And, uh, and they, they adopt him and they kind of like love on him. And he's like kind of a homely guy, but, but he begins to grow as they love on him. And it turns out that this guy is an incredible athlete, right? So, and he's huge. And so they put him into like the prep school that their kids are going to, and he becomes a standout in football. So he becomes this amazing football player in high school. He goes on to college where he's a college stand out and he ends up in the pros and this is actually based on a true story this guy Michael Orr played for the Philadelphia Eagles right so it's that story and um, there is another Michael and that is my brother Mike and Mike hates this movie he loathes this movie he thinks it's so stupid based on one scene in this movie and it's the scene it's the scene so so uh, do you have another picture for me so uh, so Michael has a brother, a little brother that was, you know, uh, one of the kids in the family. I don't know if you guys have it, but it's this little kid, and there's a scene in the movie where uh, Big Mike gets his driver's license, so he's driving in a truck with his little brother in the passenger seat, and they're playing music, and they're goofing around, and I think that Michael was, like, looking at his phone, and he ends up slamming the car into the car in front of him, and it's like a pretty bad wreck, right? And the airbags blow, and all that stuff, and if you've seen the movie, you know that uh, it kind of cuts to to the aftermath of this of this uh, this car wreck, and Michael and his tiny little brother are sitting there on on the sidewalk, and Michael's all dinged up and he's got cuts and bruises and things like that, but his little brother seems to be just fine. And the paramedic is talking to them, and uh, he looks at the little brother who seems to be good, and he says to Mike, "How is it that this kid doesn't have cuts? And you know, like how did how, the airbags went off? How is he not all banged up?" And Michael Orr said. I stopped it, right? And this is what my brother Mike hates. And he's like, what do you mean you stopped it? He said, I stopped it. I stopped the airbag from hitting his face. And Mike Kiefer thinks there is no way that any human could be fast enough to stop an airbag from hitting somebody in the face. And so the, the, the movie's gone for Mike Kiefer, right? It's gone. But Jesus is going to teach us that while the kingdom of God and the gospel is mind-blowingly powerful, infinitely powerful, and infinitely good. We can stop God in his tracks by having bad soil in our hearts. And so we're going to learn about that today. God's perfect purposes get stopped all the time. Not necessarily by the devil, but by the soil in our own hearts and so to so many of us, God would say, I have so much, church, that I want to do in you. I have so much that I want to do through your life. Would you let me work again? Would you not stop me anymore? Let me produce an abundance of life through your life. Fruitfulness, that is the invitation to us today. So we're going to dig into the parable of the soil. You get it? Dig into it. <laughs> all right, come on, come on. That's like pastor humor. Like all bad jokes, people are supposed to laugh at if it comes from the pulpit, right? It's like dad jokes. All right, so here we go. We're going to jump into the parable of the soil, Matthew chapter 13. It says this. 
the same, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and still other seed grew on, or was, uh, fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown whoever has ears to hear let him hear and then a few things happen and later the disciples are like what did you mean like we didn't totally get what you were saying about the soil and like you know pr- you know fruitfulness what were you talking about and so in verse 18 Jesus says this listen then to what the parable of the, so- the sower means When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands that this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, today we have our handy-dandy soil tester, but Jesus didn't have this. But here's what he did have. Um, Some scholars believe that it was likely that as Jesus was sitting uh, on this boat, you know, 50 yards out from shore, and the people were kind of gathered along the, uh, along, you know, the the shore on the, you know, on the beach or whatever, and he was teaching them, it's probable that Jesus was trying to communicate what the kingdom of God was like. What was the nature of the kingdom of God and he looked out across the fields and there were there were farmers there sowing their seed and so he said look at the farmers and look at what they're doing as they sow their seed and so Jesus begins by talking to us about seed and so the question is is who is the sower who's the sower anybody Who's sowing the seed? God, right? Okay, it's God. The answer is God. If you never know the answer to a question in church, just say Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. So no, so the sower, Jesus says, is God. God is sowing seed, and the seed, church, I'm not going to ask you this one. (laughs) The seed is the message of the gospel, right? The seed is the message of the kingdom, and that word for seed, it's the word logos in Greek, okay? So that's the word, the Greek word logos, and it means a word or a message uttered by a living voice, specifically a message given by God. And I know that many of us have made an original decision at some point to receive this message of the gospel. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to receive Jesus into your life, to make him Lord of your life. But most of us have probably already done that. But the question is today is this, do you continue to receive the Logos word of God? Do you continue to hear and honor and make room for the speaking voice of God in your daily life? Are you still listening to him for his living 
voice? Are you still humble and hungry for God's word spoken over you? Now, as we dig into the parable of the soil, I want to begin with one foundational fact, and that is that Jesus is saying this message, the God's word, the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, right? This word is unbelievably good. It is good with a capital G. As a matter of fact, the message of God's kingdom is so amazing that it will produce multiplied, exponential, generational fruit in your life and in the generations after you. And I I don't think that I have to ask any one of you guys, do you want to be fruitful, right? Like, nobody here would say, I want to do nothing, and I want to be nothing in my life, right? That is not where we are. We want to live fruitfully. You want to produce fruit in your life. You want to make a difference. You want to make an impact. And so the question is, well, what is the fruit that Jesus is referring to? What is this fruitfulness that he's referring to? Well, it's possible, church, that he could be referring to the fruit of the Spirit, right? In Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness, and self-control, right? This could be what he's talking about. And I always think, how amazing would it be if I could just abound in any one of those things? Like, if I could pay, like, write a check for any one of these things, self-control or something, I would write a big check to really abound in any one of those things, right? And so Jesus might have that kind of fruit in mind. But surely, church, church, Most importantly, there is one type of fruit that he is referring to in particular, and it is the fruit of salvation. He is talking about scattering seeds of the kingdom, of teaching people about the nature of God and about Jesus' own life as the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when that seed hits good soil, it will produce a crop. It will produce fruit, manifold manifold fruit that looks like many, many people being saved. Being saved from sinfulness to righteousness. Being saved from bondage to freedom. Being saved from aimlessness to glorious purpose. Being saved from eternal death to eternal life. That's what the 160 and 30-fold fruit is. It means that, and here's what I want to tell you, it means that people that you know, people in your life, will come into a saving relationship with Jesus. They will experience newness of life in Jesus. That's what's hidden in these seeds of God's word being spoken into our lives in a daily basis. It's not just peace and joy. It's not just truth and power. It's not just goodness and love, but even more so what is hidden in those seeds is newness of life, eternal life, generational change in the people that you know and the people that you care about because of your testimony. Because of your story, because of your life, that is the crux in there. That is the point of Jesus' teaching, right? And so here's the deal. We know that the sower is good. We know that the seed is good. The only question that remains is the quality of the soil. That is the question today. It is about the heart and the mind of you and I today. And the outcome of those seeds of the kingdom, the living logo spoken over us today, depends so much on what kind of soil we have in our hearts today. That's what Jesus is teaching. We are the soil. And this possibility of exponential fruitfulness depends on your heart. It depends on my heart. 
the uh, author of the book of Chronicles wrote something that, I don't know why, it just, it almost like gives me chills sometimes when I think about it. And it says this, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to them. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The sower is looking for good soil. And I want to ask, will he find some here? Will he find some in this house? Will he find some in this room? Will he find some in your heart? That's the question. Let's get back to that in a minute. The reality is, is that God is dying for his people to produce fruit, the fruit of salvation for the kids that he loves and the kids that, that are lost, the ones that he wants to bring back home, his prodigal sons and his prodigal daughters. He longs for them. His heart breaks for them. He's looking for someone to draw them back into relationship with him. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus said this, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest, listen, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. I I actually want you guys to look around the room for a moment. Just look around. Look at the people that are around you. It's God's desire that in the next few months, the next few days, maybe even the next few weeks, some of you will be planters. Some of you will be planting the seeds of the kingdom in people in your life. Look around the room. Some of you will be harvesters in the next few weeks, the next few months. You will harvest those seeds of the kingdom. You might even harvest a crop where you didn't plant. But I know this, you guys, and that is that every one of you are called to this work. Everyone, planting and harvesting, planting and harvesting. It's what we were made for. I just want to ask, how many of you guys have had the thrill and the privilege of leading someone to Christ. How many of you have ever done that? Okay, great. How many of you guys have ever had the thrill and the privilege of sowing seeds of the kingdom, but you don't, you're not sure what was produced? You don't know if they came to Christ. You don't know what happened. How many of you guys have ever done that? Okay, even more of you. Good job, right? Well, here's what I want you to know, that for those of you that had the privilege of harvesting, those of you that had the privilege of leading someone to faith, you didn't just lead them to faith. What you did in that person's life is you led them to eternal life. You change the generations. And I want you to know that if you have shared your faith and you don't know where it went, you don't know what ended up happening with that, what you have done is an amazing thing. You planted the incredible seed of the kingdom and you brought them closer to the eternal, all-powerful God with a capital G. What you have done is amazing. And not only that, you guys, but what you have done when you sowed those seeds is you are you've become the answer to Jesus' prayer. You are the answer to God's prayer. You yourself 
says this in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. By the way, when it says he had compassion, it's much deeper than that. It means that he was moved. He was cut to the quick. He was moved viscerally. He couldn't have hurt any more for these people. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is cataclysmic. It is so huge, church, but the workers are few. There aren't the workers to match this harvest that is ready. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Pray to the Lord and ask him to send more workers into the fields. That's you. That's me. We are those workers. Jesus' heart is breaking with compassion for those whom he loves, who he wants to draw into saving relationship, those who are spiritually dead, those who are confused and helpless without him. And you and I are the ones that are created by God to bring in that harvest. There's no one else to do the work. There's no one else to do this work, especially in your circle, in your circle of friends. Now, I, I don't know who the most gifted evangelist is in uh, in this church. I can tell you that when we go to Puerto Rico, Aaron is the most gifted evangelist. She's a nutcase for the Lord in Puerto Rico. Um, I don't know who that person is, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that no matter how gifted that person is, they are no match for the influence that you have over the people in your life. God has given you that power to influence them, to draw them into relationship with him. There are people in this world, I want you to hear this, that only you can reach. There are people in your life that God has assigned to you specifically. Only you can draw them. Molly and I have uh, a neighborhood group that we meet with um, a couple of times a month, and uh, we have just this amazing group of friends in our neighborhood and we love them to death and we've been uh, sowing seeds of relationship in them for years and years and years and we've all become great friends it's a group of about 14 people and only recently we've been um, we've been given the privilege of gathering this group of 14 people including us uh, together to seek after God, to study the scripture together. And it is such an amazing thing. And the people in this group just range the gamut, right? Like some of them now come to thrive, right? Some of those people that, that are a part of our neighborhood group come to thrive. Uh, some of them are uh, ex-Catholics and are now Christians. Some of them are still Catholics. And some of them, I, I don't know what exactly they believe, but I know that they don't believe that Jesus is Lord, right? So they're all over the place. And one of my favorite things about our neighborhood group is that uh, most of them don't really have a grid for like a small group type thing. And so half of them call it uh, book club and the other half call it, uh, what is what is Paul? Group therapy, <laughs> right? So they're coming, they're going to either book club or they're going to group therapy. That's what we call it, right? But I want you to know you guys that in this gathering, God is on the move. In our gathering, we have prayed and seen people healed. I was approached by someone in our group uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they said, I want you to know that something is shifting in me. 
Something is shifting in me. And I want to tell you that you can do this type of work too. Now, since we're, we're talking about checking our soil, I wonder if I could make a comparison that's a tiny bit outside the box with you. Let's say that our hearts were a garden, right? Kind of in keeping with the theme. But let's say that our hearts were the Garden of Eden. I want to ask you guys, would you be able to invite God to roam and to rule over the whole of your garden, the whole of your life? Or would you have to say, you may eat of all the trees in the fruit of my garden, God, but of this one tree, you may not eat. In other words, I just want to ask you, does God have all of you in this area of sharing your faith, of being a conduit of the kingdom? Does God have all of your time and all of your energy and all of your, your, your obedience to do the work of sowing the seeds of the kingdom to bring your people into God's presence? Or have you said to him, whether verbally or just, you know, in your mind, have you said, you know what, God, I'll come to church on Sundays. I'll, I'll serve in a ministry. Heck, I'll even tithe to you. But becoming a person that does the work of evangelist, becoming a person that is inviting my friends into your presence, that's too scary for me. It's too time-consuming for me. I just don't really want to do that right now. It's just going to kill my schedule. Are there forbidden trees in your garden is the soil in your heart too hard because Jesus is praying for you right now and he's asking that the Holy Spirit would break up that hard soil in our hearts so that God could send you and he could send me to do his work of saving in the world. And so specifically, I just want to ask you, are you right now in this moment bearing the fruit and being a conduit of the kingdom of God? Are you being a conduit of the message of salvation in your life? Or is that something that's actually not happening right now? Because I know, if I were being honest, I know that we're, we're just works in progress. There's grace here, right? This is hard work. It's challenging work. So we're, we're just in process. But here's the good news. Jesus said that he wants to scatter seed on good soil, not perfect soil, right? He's just looking for a little bit of good soil. All he needs is a willing heart. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, Aaron's husband, Matt, and I <clears throat> decided that we were going to try to um, evangelize our neighborhood around the church. Uh, it was winter, and we were going to go and shovel people's walks um, in the hopes that we could engage them in a conversation about Jesus. And we ended up shoveling a lot of snow and sowing very little seed. <laughs> Um, and we had this one, one house in particular. I knocked on the door and this old lady opened up the door and she goes, what's your problem? That's the first thing she said. And I said, well, I'm from a church. Wham! She slammed the door. And I turned to man. I was like, that one stung a little bit. <laughs> like that one kind of, kind of hurt. I don't know. That seed may have died. I'm not, I'm not sure. Right. But I just want you guys to know church that this is not perfect and God isn't looking for, for perfection. So be at peace if you are a work in progress because we all are. But the challenge for us today is that we would take up this mission, that we would take up this mission to seek and save the lost and that we wouldn't just be a Christian, right? But here's the thing. We can't be a Christian and not do this work. 
Because Christians are little Christs. We are miniature imitations of Christ. And so if Jesus is calling us to do this, and here's like a little transition, we're, we're segueing now. I hope I made the case that this is for you and for me, this work. And so if God is calling us to this, how can we get ourselves ready to do this work? Well, it's really interesting that in the three synoptic gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of those record what this looks like, this, this good soil. Each of them record it a tiny bit differently. And when you look at all three of them together, it's amazing. We get this really, really good picture of what God is wanting to do. And so, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, which is where we've been kicking around, uh, the author Matthew writes this, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and, keyword understands it, right? This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so Jesus is saying that good soil in our lives looks like not only when we hear God's word spoken to us, but it's when we get it, when we get it, right? Good soil is when we understand what God is doing, what he's speaking to us, when we understand the worth of this kingdom. It's like, it's like the, the parable of the lost coin, right? Or the pearl of great price. It's like when we get it, that's when the seed will fall on good soil. And so I want to ask you, God is speaking. Speaking to you right now. I know he is. What's happening on your end? God is speaking to you right now. What is happening on your end? Are you seeking his word? Are you hungry for it? Are you ready for it? Are you leaning in to understand what he's doing this morning? So good soil, it doesn't just hear, but it understands. Secondly, in the gospel of Mark, it's recorded this way. Still others are like the seeds that are sown on good soil and they hear the word and they, key phrase, they receive it and they produce a crop 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. They receive it. And I want to tell us, church, that this message should bring you to a moment of decision. It should bring you to a fork in the road. Having understood the call to seek and save the lost, to join in Christ's eternal work, we have to decide, will I receive this or will I reject it? Will I hear this message and let it die in my heart or will I let it change me? Will I live differently? Will I do something with it? It's good soil when we understand the mission of God and his work being done in our lives, when we start to share the gospel. But it's better soil when we receive it for ourselves and when we begin to live it out all of the time. Um, a couple of years ago, Molly and I had some work in our house, and uh, there, the guys that were in our house were these two African-American guys. One was a, a father who was probably my age, and then the other guy was his son. He was probably like 25 years old or something, and uh, they were upstairs in our bedroom and in our bathroom, and they were doing some work, and this, I'm, like, I'm almost like embarrassed to say this, it sounds corny, but, but Molly and I, we have like this painted portrait of Jesus in our bedroom. Jesus is always watching. We have Jesus on the wall in our bedroom. And as I was uh, standing there talking to this young kid uh, about the work, he saw the portrait of Jesus and he pointed at Jesus and he said, that's me. That's me. I'm with him. That's, that's, that's who I live for. And I was like kind of stunned as he was saying this, right? 
But Jesus is saying to us today, there will be some here this morning who will hear this message of the expanding kingdom of God. They will hear my call and, and you will say, that's me. I'm with him. I'm in for that. Count me in. And Jesus is asking, will you say yes to this? Will you say, count me in? And finally, the way that Luke records it in Luke chapter 8, he says this, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear, the God, who hear God's word and they cling to it. They cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest. I can't tell you how many times, you guys, I have tried and failed in sharing my faith. I can't tell you how many times I have started something and gotten busy and it's fallen away. I can't tell you how many times the Lord was speaking to me to share my faith with this person and I just said, I'm out. I'm not doing it. I'm really sorry. Someone else is going to have to step in here. I'm not doing it. But Jesus says, if you want to see fruit in your life, you have to be a person who clings to the gospel message. You have to be a person who clings to God for this. And you have to be a person who clings to the people in your life that you are sharing this with. It won't work if you're only willing to be with them, to listen to them, to sow the seeds of the kingdom for a few moments. It won't work. It won't work if you're only willing to spend a few days with them or a few weeks with them. It takes months takes years sometimes and I want to ask that you would commit to clinging to the Lord in this and to clinging to the people in your life all the way until you see them come to faith and I want you guys to know we're almost done uh, that's not what I want you to know what I want you to know is that our fourth flame it says engage engage and what that means for us is that we are a church that seeks and saves the lost. And we are a church that transforms the poor. That we exist to reach the world for Jesus. And the reason is, is because this is, this is who Jesus is. And we're not going to dumb anything down. We're going to do the fullness of the work of Christ. That is the call on this church. That is who we are. Our fourth flame is engaged. We will seek and save the lost. And I'm asking, will you come with me? Will you do this with me? Because we will see newness of life. And so, to conclude, um, I want to echo the words of the prophet Hosea. Hosea wrote this. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So I have um, a little assignment. If you guys would stand, Sarah, if you don't mind coming up. I have four, um, four challenges, four assignments, four things that I would encourage you to do. I'm going to um, talk about three of them that will happen later, one that we're going to do in just a moment. And of the three that will happen later, here's the way I want you to frame this. Now listen to this. I'm going to encourage you to do three things, but really I would be so proud of you if you did one or two of them. If you did one or two of these things after we break today, I would just be so proud of you. God will be so honored if you step into this. But here are the things that I would encourage you to do. The first thing is this. I want to invite you to write down the names 
Don't just get the names in your head. Write down the names of three people that you want to see come to faith in Jesus. And I want you to commit to praying that for them every day at the same time until they do come to faith. Write down the names of three people and pray for them every day until they come to faith. Number two, this might be the easiest one. I want you to just invite someone to church. One of the things that I've noticed is it's amazing what God does if we just get him into his presence. We don't have to do anything else. Just say, hey, come to church. I don't know what's going to happen there, but come. And and then you say, God, I'm going to bring him. You have to take over. But there's something powerful that happens when the saints are together and the presence of God is in the room. Invite them to church and make a habit of that. Make a lifestyle of inviting to church. Thirdly, I would just encourage you, if you want to be really bold, to invite them out for coffee, invite them out for a walk or something, and just ask them, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about the Spirit? What do you believe about life? You don't have to do anything other than that. Just begin a spiritual conversation. You don't have to share the gospel. That's not what I'm asking. You don't have to convince them of anything. Just find out where they're at, because that will plant a seed of a new level of conversation with that person. Just begin to talk to them. Here's my concluding scripture. Just close your eyes and receive this for a second if you would. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Will you become a planter for Jesus? Will you become a harvester for the Father? Joy and fruitfulness awaits any of us who would give our yes to Jesus this morning. And so I told you that there are four things that uh, I'm inviting us to do. The fourth one is something that we're going to do right now. And this is actually really unusual. If you're new here, you may have seen this in other churches. We don't do it often here. But I just want to ask if any of you would say, that's me. I'm in. I don't want you to just raise your hand. I would ask you to come up to the front as a declaration to God that you are going to step into this in your life. And so I just want as many people, and again, this is not a manipulation thing at all. And it's not a shame thing. But if you're giving your yes to God, then one way to break the ice is to step up here and to just say, yes, use me, God. So come on up if you're, if you're willing to do that. And we're just going to, I'm going to pray over you guys right now. again, this is um, what we're doing, even in just the stepping up church, is we're just kind of putting a stake in the ground and we're saying, God, you have my life. You have my life. You have my all. And so, Lord, I just speak your Father's blessing over every person in this room and every person that is stepping up right now, I just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you uh, animate and ignite a zeal and a passion for the lost in the same way that you carry that zeal? And I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person that is up here, that they would have in their own heart that visceral 
that, 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 that deep longing for people in their life to come to faith, saving faith. And I pray that, that this church would pull people out of hell and into heaven, out of the, the claws of the enemy and into the loving arms of the Father. And I, I, the Father sees your heart, church. He sees you. He is so honored and blessed right now. Oh, he's going to work. He's going to work. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing crew. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts. It is our privilege to give our whole life to you.